But the song, the emphasis that they gave, may the Lord find us faithful. Uh, true for children, for teens, for young adults, for older adults. That's one of the things I say now that 72 years of age. I, I got a haircut to this week. Uh, notice Josh did too. I'm going to go to the same barber Josh goes to. And uh, um, our granddaughter cut her hair and uh, most of it I found laying on the ground. And uh, there was a lot of gray hair in there for some reason. And uh, I tell them to cut, you know, cut off the gray and that's what they did. And it wasn't a whole lot left uh, after it was over. But I have a sign in our bedroom. It says, a little gray hair is a small price to pay for all this wisdom. And, um, <laughs> but you know, I want to finish faithful. Amen. Girls, thank you for the song. The song was a reminder. May the Lord find us faithful. Philippians chapter 3 in your Bible, please. Philippians chapter 3. I was not able to be here for the missions conference on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We watched it online from Rock Hill in our home. And uh, I've already communicated with uh, Dr. Sinclair. The messages were spot on. I mean, just tremendous messages. Uh, he helped our church. He, his preaching of the word of God helped our church. And... Uh, I've already communicated that to him. Thank you for your faithfulness and attendance, your generosity and helping with meals and everything else that we had, and then uh, your faithfulness in giving as well. And if you were not able to give a special offering and would like to do so, as uh, Jonathan mentioned earlier, uh, be sure to do that designated in an, on an envelope for the missions conference, and we'll do that one last time since we have some other offerings to send to those at Baptist World Missions. We've been preaching through the book of Philippians, and last time, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at three fateful team players. We looked at the Apostle Paul in prison. We looked at Timothy, who was one who was cared for other people's spiritual growth, and we looked at Epaphrodites, who's only mentioned in the book of Philippians, and one who carried the letter and carried the offerings and who was just a servant behind the scenes, just like we have several of those Epaphrodites-type people here at Crossroads. We begin chapter 3, and he mentions the word, finally. When you hear a preacher say, finally, do you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing. But here the Apostle Paul said, finally. Now we've got 44 verses left in this book. He's not saying finally like I'm about to conclude. He's saying, as Paul Harvey would have said, now the rest of the story. Finally, and he says, my brethren, to the believers, rejoice in the Lord. Over and over again, you know, there's three principles of learning. Are you, you teachers are familiar with this. Repetition, repetition, and repetition. And the Apostle Paul, throughout this book of Philippians, tells us over and over to rejoice. 
are to be joyful. He says in chapter 4 and verse 4, and we'll get to it in a few weeks, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now in these chapters, four chapters, this is the first time when he's mentioned the word rejoice that he says, in the Lord. That was a tremendous song that we sang a while ago about rejoicing in the Lord, a God who makes no mistakes, a God who's in charge and uses the difficulties of our life to make us more like Jesus Christ. But notice it says, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoicing in our circumstances, not rejoicing in relationships. I took this week when I was writing this down, I took several things that I found out that we're not really to rejoice about as our main rejoicing. Not in things, not in circumstances, not in relationships, not in our career, not in our bank account, not in the stock market. Last two days would have really encouraged you uh, in the stock market is going in the negative direction. I didn't jump out of buildings, by the way. Rejoice not in our health or our strength, not in our children or our grandchildren as our main emphasis, not in our automobiles, but rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in him. We have 21 grandkids. Just found out we've got the fourth great-grandchild coming. We're going to go to something we've never been to uh, this coming Thursday night. A gender reveal party. I have never been to one in all my life. I'm old. We didn't do anything like that before. We didn't know until the doctor came out and told us what the baby was. That was a gender reveal party for us. But we're rejoicing in the fact that God is giving us another uh, great-grandchild. But our main emphasis is that we rejoice in the Lord. Talking about children, I, we have seven between us. Uh, we have 21 grandchildren, and now the, and the five of those are married. But when we often, I mean, we rejoice. I mean, when babies are born, I mean, there is hooping and hollering and carrying on, and that's usually by Grandpa, I, I love to hoop and holler and, and uh, rejoice. And I rejoice with the many families over the 40 years that I've pastored. But I've also prayed a few years later with children, with, about their children and their grandchildren who were not living for Christ. And they rejoiced at their birth. And they even rejoiced when they made a decision at camp at the age of 10. But at 21 and 22, they don't go to church anywhere and they're not living for God anymore. And I've wept with them. We, we know that sometimes in our own family as well. We're to rejoice. Our primary rejoicing is to be in the Lord. When David found himself discouraged, it says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Not in the circumstances, but in his God. To rejoice in the Lord. He says that. And I've entitled this message, Be Joyful, But Beware. 
be joyful, but beware. In the first verse, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And to write the same things to you, to me, is not grievous or it's not troublesome for me to write this. This is not going to be too much for me to write because he's warning them of false teachers. And throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would warn of false teachers. He said, this is not uh, grievous to me. It's not a troublesome thing to me. But he says, but for you, it is safe. I'm going to provide you with something of a warning that's going to cause you safety in the Christian life, to safeguard yourself as a Christian. Uh, We've had people... Uh, accept the Lord as their Savior. They're, they're just like, uh, it come out just bubbling and everything, you know, everything's going to be a life of roses and there's not going to be any problems at all and no more troubles or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, they hit their first difficulty. And they wonder, then sometimes the FBI can't even find them. I just had a lady one time got baptized she went through the baptismal waters and had gone through a little class on baptism and, and membership and all of that, and she got baptized. Never came back to church again. I mean, the FBI couldn't find them. Because sometimes people are brought down by somebody telling them something that's not the truth. And new Christians are often vulnerable Older Christians, we can be too. He says, I want you to be joyful, rejoice in the Lord, but beware. And when I mentioned a while ago the three principles of learning repetition, 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 notice with me verse 2. He says, beware. And if you look at that, he says it three times. Three times. Beware of dogs Beware of evil workers and beware of the concision. Now, here he's warning a group of people who are called Judaizers. You know, first of all, the gospel came uh, to the Jews. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so if you study the book of Acts, you realize it came, first of all, uh, to the Jews. Those, some of those Jews accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And some of those are ones he's referring to here. They're called Judaizers who were people in some of that group who believed that you had to be a Jew and you had to practice the law after your salvation to be truly saved. And then the gospel came to the Gentiles. That's us. The gospel came to the Gentiles And uh, as Peter saw that sheet coming down with those unclean animals in it and realized that it was going to be salvation, not just for the Jews, but to the Greeks as well, to the Gentiles, to those of us that are not a part of a Jewish nation. All of a sudden now there are some who are Jews who now are saying, now not only do you need to get saved by the blood of Jesus, but what you need to do is you need to obey the law too. It was Jesus plus. And when I hear anything that's Jesus plus, I think of beware, beware. You hear something that's Jesus plus something else to be saved. 
a red flag ought to go up for you and for me. Beware. And he says, first of all, beware of the dogs. Every one of us that have done door-to-door visitation have always determined that if there was a barking pit bull inside the fence, those people were probably already saved. He's not talking about that kind of dog here. The Jews love to call the Gentiles dogs. Unclean animals. Ones that would scavenge around and, and uh, bark and bite and, and all kinds. Of, and so now this is turned around. The Apostle Paul is not calling the Gentiles dogs. He's calling the Judaizers, Jews who were saying you need to obey the law. He's calling them dogs. He says, beware the dogs. These are Orthodox Jews. He's calling them dogs. A couple of weeks ago, we left here uh, on a Monday as we normally do to go back to Rock Hill. And Linda's sister, uh, Sandy and her husband, uh, he's a pastor of a, a Christian Missionary Alliance church in York, and, and uh, they live four doors down from us. And they were going to go up to the cove here above Asheville to uh, hear Erwin Lutzer, and uh, they were going for that for three days, and so they asked us if we would keep their dog. Uh, we don't have a dog at home. I'm the only dog that Linda takes care of and, uh, and feeds. But I, I don't, we don't have a dog at home. You do. Maybe you do. Maybe you even put their names on Christmas cards. I don't know whether you do or not. But this little dog, cutest thing, uh, he, his name is Zach. Real name is Zacchaeus. Why? Because he's a wee little dog. Never barked one time. I mean, just just went into crate at night. Was persuaded by pepperoni into the into the in there at night. Just uh, just had an absolutely wonderful three days with little Zach. He did kind of whimper one time. We were out in the yard. I had him tied up on a leash on, and he's just a little dog and just pleasant personality, and. Uh, Tied him up on the fence and uh, heard him go, hmm, got kind of a, like something's bothering me and looked out and the neighbor's goat had gotten out across the road over there. And that goat was coming over toward him and that was a, a strange thing for that dog. And so he did whimper a little bit but didn't even really bark. Now, that was not the kind of dog he was referring to here in the, in the scriptures. He's talking about these Judaizers and by the way, these false teachers against the people that were in the church and some out of the church. There were false teachers even uh, in the church at Philippi. These were the kind of, that were yapping and barking and, and trying to uh, deal with false doctrine, trying to persuade people. I thought about that in light of what we see in our day. I saw, I worked uh, Ken Walter's visitation uh, Pastor Ken Walter's visitation at the funeral home, Green's funeral home. I worked on the funeral home side for them. 
on uh, Thursday night. And when I went out to put the cones in the parking lot of the funeral home, I saw two bicycles ride by with guys with white shirts on riding by. And I'd been preparing on this message and I thought about false teachers. I lived in Salt Lake City. Uh, we lived there for a year and a half when I was in the fifth and the beginning of the sixth grade. We were the only non-Mormons on our street. If you've ever been to Salt Lake, any of you been to Salt Lake City? It's, uh, it's built on a grid. Uh, I can't remember the addresses. We moved a lot. I went to six different elementary schools in the first seven uh, grades. And I, we moved a lot with, with uh, my dad working for the government. But it's built on a grid, and I can remember the address, 1529 West, 4980 South. If you, if you get on, a, on that grid, you could find it anywhere in Salt Lake. They would come by the house, and they would uh, offer to come in and read to my mom. She said no. They, uh, they were just the kindest people. They stored up a bunch of food in their house, and if there was ever a shortage of food, they would offer to make sure you were taken care of, especially their family. My dad moved us to Goose Creek. He was not a Christian yet. He didn't get saved for a few more years. But he moved us out of Salt Lake to, to Somerville, South Carolina, to Goose Creek, where they, he worked for the Polaris Missile Program. And I asked him later in life, Dad, why did you move? He said, I saw the influence that the Mormons were having on my children. Dogs. Yapping. Nipping at the heels. Trying to persuade with a false doctrine. <coughs> we have people today. Not just a lot of people will say, well, preacher, don't you believe that Mormonism, I mean, you lived in Salt Lake, don't you believe that it's basically just a different denomination? I said, absolutely not. It's not even on the same playing field. Beware. Rejoice in the Lord, but beware. Then there are those who believe that you need to, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I grew up in a Baptismal Regeneration Church. Campbellites, they're called, out of Kentucky. The first Christian church disciples of Christ. Grew up in the church. We took the Lord's Supper every Sunday. In that church, now not every one of those churches believe exactly the same. Each one, some of them have different beliefs. But in that particular church, you had to accept Jesus plus be baptized if you were going to go to heaven. Anytime you hear Jesus plus something, beware. Beware. He said, this is not a troublesome for me to write this, but if I write it to you, it's a safeguard for you and your Christian life, he says in the end of verse 1. Beware. Beware not only of the dogs. He says, beware of the evil, evil workers. The evil workers. He's kind of putting those in together, a little different slant on it. The evil workers 
And the idea of the evil workers is those, again, that are adding to something for salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of our works, lest any man should boast. And when you hear somebody add something else on, here this week is a celebration of the Reformation. And the Reformation was when Martin Luther saw in his Bible the verse that says, the just shall live by faith. Not by indulgences in the Catholic Church. Not by selling property to have a mass for a dead loved one from the past. But by faith. Thus the tenets of the, of the Reformation were that you were saved, were saved by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Faith, grace, and Christ alone. And the evil workers are those who would love to add to that. We need to beware even in our own churches. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist and proud of it. Not planning on changing anything else. I've been going since Orangeburg Baptist Tabernacle uh, 50 years ago. Or so, maybe 48 years ago, I joined my first independent Baptist church, been in an independent Baptist church all the rest of the time, and now pastored for 40 years in independent Baptist churches. And not planning on changing anything else. But if we're not careful, sometimes we will believe that some standard we have, and I believe in standards, by the way. But sometimes we will believe that if, we, if you're saved, plus you have that standard, you're really saved it's Jesus plus nothing else. Beware. Beware when somebody wants to add something on else. It's, it's great for holy living. And it's great for our sanctification. But it's not for our salvation. Beware not only of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. One of my favorite passages on by grace through faith, just Ephesians 8 and 9, 2, 8 and 9. But look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. If this is not marked in your Bible, I would encourage you to do so. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It's not by works of righteousness. Isaiah tells us that all of our righteousness is just a bunch of filthy rags. That's all we can muster up on our own. Beware of the evil workers that would add to salvation by grace through faith. And then he says... Beware of the concision. He's actually taking a pun, a play on words here. The word means mutilation. And he says to those that were adding on, what the Judaizers would do is say, 
Now, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, but you also make sure that you've been circumcised. And they would add on circumcision as a part of salvation. And he says, beware of the concision or literally the mutilation. The Judaizers who were adding again something else to salvation. This time, circumcision. Beware. It's not circumcision added on. It's not the celebrating tonight of the Lord's Supper tonight that we'll do that at the Lord's table. Our baptism, our tithing, our missions giving are not any other work or ordinance or practice by the Christian that's going to add on to our salvation. Beware. And it trains our thinking when we say it's by Jesus and by faith and by grace. Anything else, beware, beware. When he addresses the bewares, in the third verse of the chapter, he says, now let me tell you about the true circumcision. He's going to talk about the true circumcision is saying a true believer. This is, this is the ones who really are saved, who have been circumcised, not necessarily the flesh, but of the heart. The heart being circumcised. And he says in verse 3, for we are the circumcision. So he's now, in verse 2, says, beware of those that add on circumcision to the gospel. But he said, I just want you to know we're part of the circumcision. Because whether we've been circumcised physically or not, if we're saved, we've been circumcised spiritually in the heart. And he says, we are, we're identifying with that. And then he says, I want to show you some things that if you're a true part of true Christianity, here's some things you're going to do. Notice in verse 3, he says, we are the circumcision, we're true believers, which worship God in the spirit. We're ones that give reverence to almighty God. We worship him, John chapter 4. We're to worship him in spirit and in truth. Matter of fact, the only thing in the Bible that God seeks from man is worship. He alone is worthy. He desires worship and it says that we're true believers. We are ones which worship God in the spirit. Notice in the King James Bible, which I, I hold to, it says the spirit is a small s. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is within our own spirit. We're going to worship the God of heaven. And then he says there's a third, a second characteristic of those who are part of the circumcision are true believers from verse 3. He says these are people which rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now he's told us in the first part of verse 1 to Rejoice in the Lord. He's using a different word for rejoice here. He's using a word that means to boast. Remember in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or brag, not in our own achievements, not in our own accomplishments, not in our own abilities, 
but rejoice or boast, he says, in Christ Jesus. What else do we have to boast in? Jesus. Boast in him. Brag about Jesus. And it says a true believer. One is part of the true circumcision from verse 3. Is ones who worship God in the spirit. And ones who boast in Christ Jesus. And then the third characteristic he gives of a true Christian. He says, and they have no confidence in the flesh. He's not talking about this skin on our body. He's talking about our own nature or our own abilities or, or our own talents. We cannot rejoice or have confidence in the flesh. It's not a saying. I, I remember one time a, a assistant pastor of mine went to preach in another church. And as he was in that church, he asked people, could they give him that morning in the Sunday school hour their favorite Bible verse? And oh, there's an old fellow in the back. He'd been going to that church for a long time. He raised his hand. He says, my favorite Bible verse is the family that prays together stays together. It's a good saying, but it's not a Bible verse. And another one said, my favorite Bible verse is God helps those who help themselves. That's not only not a Bible verse, it's not the truth. And what we, if we had confidence in the flesh, we could say, well, God helps those that help themselves. That's not a biblical truth at all. We have no confidence in our flesh. I love songs, and as we sing a lot of songs here, I love songs, and I, I pick the songs out that kind of have a theme throughout uh, the service. I, I love doing it. I've done it for years, and I like the, uh, the message of songs. It's not the scripture but I, it, it, it portrays truth about the scriptures. And there's a song that's stand up, stand up for Jesus. And in that song, it says, the arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. <laughs> no, I'm prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. A true believer is one that does not have confidence in the flesh and their own abilities. A lady came to a pastor several years ago and she said, preacher, she said, uh, I believe that going to heaven is kind of like being in a rowboat. And one oar of that boat is faith, and we row that oar uh, there to, to make the boat go along as we, as we row with that one oar of faith. And then the other oar is, uh, is works, and so we, we have to row with both oars to be able to go to heaven. By the way, that's not the Bible either. The preacher 
came back quickly and said, no one's going to go to heaven in a rowboat. Nobody's going to heaven in a rowboat. This morning, the Lord is letting you and me know we're to be joyful. Be joyful in the Lord himself, who he is, what he has done, and what he's going to do. But beware. Beware. Beware of the false teachers, the dogs, the evil workers, the concisions, those that would add to salvation by grace through faith. Because he said, if we're true Christians, we're going to worship the God in the spirit, in our own spirit rejoicing. Also boasting in him, not in anything else, not in our accomplishments, boasting in him. And we have no confidence in our old nature. No confidence in our own abilities. We realize it's only by his grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. God giving us something we don't deserve is God's grace. That's the gasoline that allows you and me to be able to do what God has asked us to do. How about today for you and me? In your own life, are you convinced that you really know Christ? Do you have the assurance that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? I, uh, I got saved at 20 years of age. I had already joined a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Came forward in a, in a Christian, first Christian church and joined the church. I'd been under baptismal waters, but I didn't know Jesus as my Savior. I had a profession without a possession. And January 29th, 1971, in that dorm room, at Clemson, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I received him, and he gave me eternal life. And God is still working to change me and make me more like himself, but it was Jesus alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. And he's given us a desire to worship our God, a desire to boast only in him and have no confidence in our own flesh. Do you need Jesus today? If you don't know him as Savior, why not receive him today? If today you say, preacher, you know, as I read the word, as we hear the preaching of the word, it goes contrary to what we're hearing out here in the world. Absolutely. It goes exactly opposite. One man has written a book called Swimming Upstream in a Downstream World. For what the Bible teaches goes contrary to what the world is teaching. And the world is trying to convince us. I told them in the Sunday school class today, as a hospice chaplain for years, we took training called diversity training. And it's called pluralism, where they believe that everybody's religion is on an equal plane. And they want to believe that the God that we worship in the Bible is equal to the God of Muhammad or Buddha or any other God. And they want to put it all on the equal plane. I've got a Greek word for that. Baloney. There's one way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't, I don't care whether it's my cousin or my child, my own child. I've had, I've had people in churches who said, now preacher, I know what the Bible says, but you know, my daughter, she, she's now gotten off into some uh, 
religion that believes that you can, you got to add something else to your salvation to truly be saved. And preacher, you know, I think, you know, she made a decision when she went to camp at age 10. And I said, if you add anything else to Jesus, you don't have true salvation. So as hard as it is, if it was my own child, my own kin folks, as hard as it is, I believe what this book says. And that's what we're going to live by. That's the way we're going to guard our, our, ourselves against all the false teaching. That's how we're going to guide our life. Rejoice in him. But beware. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I'm glad that the Apostle Paul said, finally. For Lord, today we needed this. I know I did in studying this week. I needed this. Because the world is telling us to believe one way. And the Bible is telling us to believe something different. Help us to know that the Bible stands. We've already sung about it today. It's eternal. It's truths are eternal. And I pray that God, we would rejoice in our God, not in our circumstances, but in our God today. But we would beware. We would, we would have our antenna up spiritually, realizing that the dogs are out 